is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Well, I'm going to give three short messages today from Psalm 95. We had a spare week and I thought I wanted to do something different today. And we're going to be doing more singing. And we're going to invite people to, if you would like to, um, just give a word of testimony of thanks for how God's been at work in your life. But when I think about uh, this psalm, um, there's three key words uh, that come to mind. And if I can have the screen up, thanks, Anthony. Um, the first word is joy. And when you read through the psalm, the thing that strikes me first of all is that joy is at the very beginning. And joy is one of those, if I can say, most elusive of human emotions. Who doesn't want to be joyful here? I mean, it's a silly question. Of course, all of us, I think, deep down, want to find joy in our life. It's one of the most universal human emotions that typically everyone wants. I've yet to meet someone who actually doesn't want to have a sense of joy in their life. But yet the question is, uh, who can truly say that their life is actually filled with joy? Who's got real joy, lasting joy, a joy that fills us with a deep sense of contentment and it's different to happiness. Happiness happens, if I can say, in the occasion, in the moment, but joy is actually something deeper that, say, lives with us through both the highs in life and the difficult times and the lows that we go through. It's a joy that comes from knowing God. And this psalm invites us into, if I can say, a worshipping relationship with the living God by coming before him with songs of joy and with words of thanksgiving. And so we're invited to experience joy with God. And he actually says he extolled him with songs, with music. That's the invitation. Sing for joy to the Lord. Shout it aloud. In other words, uh, we want everyone in Manly to hear that St. Matthews is praising God today. That's what it means, shout aloud. It's not like, oh yeah, praise the Lord. It's really good to be here in church today, even though the surf's pumping. We actually want to be alive and rejoicing and shouting aloud, how great is God? That's why we're here today. And I want to give you just four reasons and then we're going to start singing again. And this psalm is great because it tells us one of the reasons that we celebrate, that we have joy, that we have thanksgiving in our heart is because God is great. Firstly, this psalm tells us God is our creator. He made us. He has given us life. And you see, that's the reality that we are engaging with. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And the reality is this. We live in a world that is made by God. We live in a country that's made by God. We live in a suburb that is made by God. And he has placed you in this country, in this world, in this suburb. And for that, we can give thanks. God is great. He is our creator. But secondly, we actually don't just have God as a creator. We know him personally. And this is a profound thing in the Christian faith. It says here in the verse, in verse 7, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. Do you know that reality in your life today? That the God that we are worshipping, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God and Father of him, he's actually our God. We know him by name. And that's one of the most incredible privileges that is given to us as Christian people. We are told who God is and we are invited into relationship with the maker of the universe and we call him Father. We know him. But thirdly, he 
is not just our creator. We don't just know him. He actually cares for us. And this is one of the most profound of insights. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And you see, that is the profound privilege of being Christians, is that we have a God who is our father and who actually does care for us and that is seen most expressed in prayer. And if I can give you a short illustration and then I'm going to encourage us to stand and sing. Last week I announced to the church that the former senior minister and our current mission partner, Richard Harvey, if I can say at the young age of about 72, had a massive heart attack. And I read out the medical condition to Professor Keith Burgess at our 8 o'clock service. And Keith is a very, very knowledgeable doctor. And he just looked at me sadly and said, that is very bad news. People often don't survive that condition. And we prayed. And I am so glad to tell you that they have moved Richard out of ICU and into the coronary care unit. Now, he's not out of the woods, but he has come a long, long way. And Keith said to me, Professor Keith Burgess said this morning, it's a miracle. He said, if I was a betting man, 90% chance he would have been dead in a few days. And you see, this is our God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, who we know, and he cares for us. And the last thing I want to say is he is here with us. He's not just our maker, he's our sustainer, he's the one who watches over us and cares for us and we have the wonderful gift of his Holy Spirit who resides in our hearts, who dwells amongst us as his people. And friends, if that doesn't give you something to smile about today, I honestly don't know what will. Because that is the most profound truth and reality that you can know in this world. So let's stand, let's be glad, let's have our hearts filled with joy and let's sing to him and rejoice in our great God and Saviour. Now after this we're going to have a time that if you'd like to stand and thank God for something in your life, we're going to have microphones to go around, but let's stand and sing this wonderful song, Joy. Rejoice in him I pray. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Well, if joy is the most sought after of human conditions, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that pride is the most dangerous. And as you read through the Bible, the one human trait that God opposes from beginning to end is that of human pride. And we're repeatedly warned with this phrase, God opposes the proud. And he opposes people who think they have no need of him. He opposes people who won't listen to him. He opposes people who think they know better. And from the start of creation, you have Adam and Eve who think they know better and they doubt God's word in their pride and you go all the way through scripture and you looked at the end with the New Testament and Ananias and Sapphira who thought they could hide their greed in their pride and one of the most demonstrative acts of judgment was struck dead by the Holy Spirit and the Bible is littered with stories of human pride and how it brings them undone under God's judgment and the antidote to human pride is humility And humility is the attitude where we come to God 
with both open and empty hands, realising that we have nothing that we can offer him and that our standing before our great God is only in and through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in his life and death and resurrection. And that's why the psalmist calls us at this point in the psalm to our knees. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. You can see it on the screen for we are his God. He is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And I want to say to us this morning, our hearts should be filled with joy. But as we come with joy, we actually need to bow down before him. We need to kneel before him and realize that he alone is our God. Now, we're going to have a time of prayer and a time to be quiet and a time to confess and a time to call on him. And here's the incredible thing. The lower you are, the better the view. I want to say that again. The lower you are, the better the view. You see, when you have pride and you're kind of standing up in your sense of self-righteousness, you don't have a great view of God. But when you actually bow down... And if you want to kneel this morning, you can, though there might not be room. I can get down on my knees here at the front row. You actually get a much better view. You get an accurate view of how great God is. If you go to the Eiffel Tower, you won't see the magnificence of the Eiffel Tower from a distance or from a postcard shot. You actually need to stand at its footing and realise how small you are and look up at its grandeur in the sky. Now, I'm an engineer by background and there's an incredible grandeur to that... uh, structure but there's also an art to it but you see it most magnificently in terms of its magnificence and grandness at the foot of it and that's why we're called to bow down in worship and kneel before the Lord our maker so we are not proud but we realize our dependence upon him that's why he says for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care and the incredible promise of scripture is this That though God opposes the proud, he shows favour to the humble. And so humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let me ask the question, do you want to be lifted up by God? Do you want to know the reality of his blessing upon your life? Then bow down before him and humble yourself. And dare I say, confess your sins and your need of him. Because that's what the scripture calls us to, and to kneel literally at the foot of the cross and realize that hanging there is our saviour who died for our sins and who wipes us clean and who brings us home. So we're going to spend some time now in just being quiet. And I'm going to give us a minute to be quiet And if there's things you'd like to say to God or confess to God, now is the time. And then we're together going to uh, say a prayer of confession that Emily's going to lead us in before she leads us in some general prayers. Let us be quiet now.
Up on the screen is a prayer of confession that we're going to say together. I'll say the first sentence and then you um, say the part in bold. Lord, we have come to see that our lives fall far short of your glory together. Have mercy and forgive us. Lord, you have given your life for us and poured out your spirit, yet we fail to return your love. Listen carefully. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day in Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Well, if the first word from this psalm brings us joy and the experience of that is found in humility... What this finishes by saying is, as you leave, go in obedience. It's a very strong finish to this psalm. And what he's saying is, do not harden your hearts. You know how wonderful God is. You know that. You worship him with joy. So do not harden your hearts. You see, when pride takes hold in a person's life and it reigns unchecked, What happens is a heart becomes hardened. What was once soft and responsive to the voice of God becomes hardened and deceitful when pride comes in and we don't humble ourselves. And scripture is very clear there is an ever-present danger that we will stop listening to the living God and falling away. And I want to ask yourself the question, what is a worshipping church? Well, it's a church that is filled with people who are filled with the joy of the Lord, who walk in humility, and who importantly listen and obey the Word of God. And you see, a heart becomes hardened when it stops listening. And to not listen is to not obey. You know the conversation the parents have with their kids? Are you listening to me? Now, how many times do we say that? Now, what we're really saying is, are you doing what I'm saying? That's what we're saying, isn't it? When we say, are you listening? And they go, I'm listening, but I'm not doing. (laughs) And you go, Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did on that day in Massa in the wilderness. And what the psalmist is saying, he's recalling the history of the people of God and saying, you'd seen everything. You'd seen the sea parted. You'd walked through it. You'd seen the 10 plagues had come. Pharaoh was judged. You'd seen God feed you and deliver you in the desert. And yet, all of that you knew, when you got to the promised land, you said, nah, God can't do that. That's what he's referring to here. And God has spoken to us through his word. And in his word, he's not calling us to the promised land of Israel. He's calling us to the promised land of the new creation. And we know it will happen. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Friends, it's a fact of history. He was raised from the dead. He's ascended on high. He has poured out his spirit into our hearts and one day he will return. This is reality. 
And what we are to do as we worship him in joy, as we walk in humility, is to continue to listen to his word and obey it on this journey to heaven. So friends, I want to call you this day to return to the Lord if you are away from him. If you are not walking well with him. Or maybe today you've come in and you've actually never taken that step of faith and obedience to say, God, I'm yours. Well, today would be a great day to either come back to the Lord or come to him. And I want to stop by just asking you to reflect on where you're at with God this day. And do you need to come back to him with certain things in your life and listen to him and obey him? Or do you need to just come to him? Well, friends, if that's you this morning, I just want us to bow our heads before we close. And if you need to come back to him this day, I just want to invite you to stand. If you need to come to him this day, I want to invite you to stand. And I want to pray for you. If the Spirit of God is convicting you that there's things in your life that you need to let go of, that you've been holding on to, what we need to do is come back to him. And so friends, this morning, today, if you need to come back to him, I just want to invite you to stand right now and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. God bless you. Is there anyone else who would like to make a stand today and come back to the Lord? Well, let me pray. Father, we just thank you that you speak to us and you call us home through the Lord Jesus and by your spirit and I pray this day you would be with those who are wanting to come home. Be their strength and be their vision, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to have an opportunity after the service to pray with people who would like prayer. And I just want to encourage you, if this morning there's something weighing heavy on your heart, that you know you need God to be at work in. We prayed last week for Richard Harvey and we rejoice in the answers to prayer. We offered an opportunity for people to give thanks. And what's interesting is, as people stood and testified, how many of those were responses to prayers that were prayed in a moment of need. And if you don't ask, you'll never receive. Ask and you'll receive. Knock and the door will be open. And so friends, at the end of the service, if you'd like prayer, we've just got set up down here some chairs. And I want to invite you to come forward and we would love to pray with you. So that in 12 months time, you are testifying about how God's worked in your life. But we're going to finish with a great old hymn. Uh, It's one of my favourites. Be Thou My Vision, because that is to be the tune and song for all of our hearts.